America. My name is Ami Osei Frimpong. I come to you live every Monday and Thursday about this time. On Monday, I do a relationship show, but relationship with a more holistic view is in so far as I want to get you both dating and married in a way that's not divorced and have you not screw up your kids as opposed to other people who do relationship shows and they just want to get you laid. I want to do the, kind of the whole other thing because uh, I want you to be married and not divorced and not screw up your kids because your kids might talk to my kids and I don't need your kids screwing up my kids. So I do that show on Monday. On Thursday, I do more of a politics show. And today I'm going to talk a little bit and actually rather substantively about the debate last night um, between Vivek Ravaswamy and, and the rest of the GOP uh, folks, because it pretty much was Vivek against the world. And it was insofar as every time he opened his mouth, it was entertaining because you knew he would deliver content that would not be both obvious and not be 100% wrong, just like 60% wrong. For example, he, like me, thinks that the Ukrainian war is ridiculous. This idea that Russia is somehow going to allow the U.S. to put a proxy state on its border is um, absurd to me. So I think it's a little bit maddening that we are just giving the Ukrainians so much money and so many guns to fight a war with they just end up like they like the Ukrainian draft has moved up to like 45 or 50 right now. Like you're just not safe to be a man in the Ukraine <laughs> because you can't leave and um, they're drafting you into a fight a war that you might may or may not agree with. Remember before First of all, up until 2014, Ukraine was a notorious kleptocracy. So up, up to 2014, it was just notorious kleptocracy. And when you're a notorious kleptocracy, you don't just kind of change your stripes in five years. So all of the old kleptocratic uh, networks are still, vi still viable and still available. So it was never like a robust democracy that we're trying to, to protect. And yeah, there's not that big of a difference between Ukraine and Russia. So... I just don't think it's any of our business and we don't have the power to secure their border and we're not going to secure their border. So I think we should just negotiate a surrender and just admit that Ukraine was going to be the new Belarus and Kiev was going to be the new Minsk and that was just going to be the new world and that might be okay. Well, even if it's not okay, it's not anything we can really do anything about that doesn't cost just a ton of lives. So you could... <laughs> Like you can't, there is, and now that Ukraine doesn't have any really productive capacity because as soon as they start building a factory, Russia is going to bomb it. So they don't have an economy. They don't have an economy. They're barely a state. If men can't leave, they're not free. Like they cut down all of the, the they consolidated all of the media power to the state owned media because they're in a war. So they're in a forever, they're a forever war state. They're going to be in a forever war with a Russia that is not going to let the U.S. set up a proxy state under the, the auspices of calling it Ukraine. So Ramaswamy actually um, actually struck out and said this Ukraine war is stupid, which it is, and we shouldn't be spending that money doing domestic things, which I agree with. So he landed some actual sensible points, but most of it was nonsense. So I, I guess I can... I can go in a rather kind of systematic way. The first, he opened up with saying, well, he came, his parents came here with no money and now he's a billionaire. Well, you know, a successful entrepreneur. And there's a way in which his parents might have come here with no money, but you go to his Wikipedia page and it turns out that his dad was an attorney and an engineer. I think he was an engineer when he came here and then went to law school once he was here. And his mom was a doctor. 
like a, a, a whole doctor. And she went to med school there and then practiced here. And these are, I did an, an, another video on, these are H-1B immigrants. So it's not like political refugees, but even political refugees, you got to watch out because there's some political refugees that are like Vietnam and there's some political refugees like the guys who fled from Castro and Cuba or the Shah and Iran. And th th those are different, different animals, different different beasts. All right, so I just want to say that if you come to the United States with an intact family, it doesn't matter if you are, you know, you come over on an H-1B visa, you come over because you're fleeing the Shah of Iran, or not the Shah, the, 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 the Ayatollah at the time. I, I'm, in, I'm under the age of people. I grew up with a lot of people whose parents fled uh, when the Ayatollah came up, uh, came into power in Iran. And I'm from California too, so like, and then, or if your parents, uh, you know, made it out of Hitler's Germany or, like, you know, Castro's Cuba, it doesn't really matter. If you came here with an intact family, you're already le light years monstrously different than the current situation of, of American descendants of slaves, where slavery rewrote the norms um, of like black relationships unless you're one of those people who thinks that the black marriage and divorce rate and single parent rate has nothing to do with slavery and jim crow um i am not one of those people i i, I think everything about american descendant of slaves life has been re was rewritten and now is a response to being rewritten by like what white people needed in our institutions in order to keep us subordinate so the black family is what it is and it is a mess um, because of a response to like it, it was it's a family that's organized for survival not really self-determination as a response to the pressures of of being a support of the aggressive targeting of black people as a subordinate class that's different from you were rich in cuba and castro said that's a problem rich and racist in cuba and castro said that's a problem so he fled to miami that's different from you were too wealthy in Germany, and Hitler says that's a problem. So you, you know, you, you took your people and you, you came to uh, to the New York. So, and that's different from a Brahmin who gets an H one B visa and takes his wife to you know dear <laughs> Dearborn, right? So you have to understand, or. Uh, uh, someone who's Iranian, and it turns out that they are too wealthy and too western and and, and 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 too bougie so the ayatollah comes in power and you take your family and flee to california often beverly hills but um but other some parts of california but you take a momentary hit but you don't lose your culture especially if you're networked with other people from that same culture who fled with their intact families that's not something that black american descendants of slaves have like an intact culture of being on top that they have to recreate someplace here. For example, my wife and I could take our kids and I'd feel comfortable settling a lot of places in the world with our kids and our kids would thrive. Even if we went with no money, we do. I have a house now. If I just, if I just took my wife and our kids and we just were plopped into a country that was 
moderately stable, some Scandinavian country or something like that, we would do fine. Even if I had to take a um, kind of a low-class job, our kids would not suffer because I have culture. I have the culture. Uh, not only do I have culture, I have the culture. I have an elite culture. And so I could teach my kids to not only play the game of whatever country we're around, I could teach them to most probably watch out for traps that people of that same country don't see as traps. All right? So like I have both perspective to identify problems and also, um, you know, an, an elite sensibility. So my kids would be fine. So the idea that, you know, people can come to the United States except with nothing but a spouse, a culture, a few education degrees, but no money, and, and, and make it in a generation or make it in two generations. It's not surprising to me. It's actually predictable. It's actually predictable. Um, because I know that if it, were this, if it were the case with my family, it would be fine. I would, the only reason I'd have any guilt doing it here is that in order to make it in the United States, you have to treat black people like garbage. And if you don't have a problem treating black people like garbage, if you come here with an intact family and good culture and you don't have a problem treating black people or poor people like garbage, the United States is your oyster. You will do very well. I do have a problem treating black people like garbage. So this is why I try to improve the culture of the whole nation in a good way every Monday and Wednesday with this show. And if you support what I do and you think I should keep doing what I do, go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or $50. So Ramaswamy saying that his family came over here with nothing but uh, with no money and now he's doing well. That is completely predictable because he came over. The, the asset value of having an intact family and a culture networked with other intact families um, and a spiritual culture that will protect you against some of the more distracting aspects of the market. You know, as a devout Hindu, that's, that's already... So much more than people who do not have an intact family and a culture that will actually keep them from being distracted by, you know, TikTok and all of that stuff. I came here with no, no money, just an intact family and, uh, and a religion that expected me to take care of my body, my soul, and meditate and, and do very well in school. Um, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. And... Uh, I'm going to go into why that's a lot and why we underestimate what it means to come here with no money but an intact culture. I will take the intact culture and intact parents over. I give if you if you give me money, um, but I have to start over in a new country. Um, but I or I get to keep and I have to you know be stupid, <laughs> or I get to keep my culture, keep my sensibility, and I get to keep my family and take that whole family to a new country, um, I'm going to take my whole family to the new country. And especially if I get to get networked with other Americans, it's not even close. It's not even close. I'll, I'll, like, my kids will be great. My kids will be great. It's not really, it's starting over, but it's not really starting over because I have culture. And that's the most important thing. That's what you spend money for. Right now, all the money I spend, most of the money you give to me on www.funkyacademic.com goes to providing a cultural infrastructure for my kids. Like, even if they don't get any inheritance from me at all, 
when like if I stroke out or someone takes me out or I, I have a heart attack, you know, I'm a black man in my 40s, so who knows how long we last. Um, my kids already, like my contribution to them has been cultural and will last longer than most material um, most material benefits. And that's why I also, once again, why I try to do this show for you guys, because I want the culture to, to improve along correct lines, um, appropriate lines. So after the beat, I'm going to talk more about families and how that came up in the GOP versus uh, Democratic uh, discourse and how, you know, Dems are just bad at families in a different way than Republicans are bad at families and Republicans are good at families in a different way than Dems are good at families. And it all comes down to the authority of a family as an institution of, of freedom. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that and then that'll be the show after the beat. To the beat show. Change the ways for the world or the government If it was the president, then I would state facts You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black And it can feature in your front I'm back, and let's talk about Dems and Republicans with respect to the family I remember in the 90s, there was a debate when Hillary Clinton came out with a book about how it takes a village. And I think it was George W. Bush who came back and retorted that it doesn't take a village, it takes a family. And I, at the time, I didn't really think that it was that much of a cultural moment because it wasn't obvious to me that Dems were as bad. At, I don't think it was as obvious to anyone in America that Dems were as bad at families as, or liberals in general are as bad as families as they really are. I, I will tell you, liberal parents are the worst parents in America. Conservative parents are like blind people on the right road. Oftentimes, they don't know why they're on the right road and you don't, want, you don't necessarily want to ask them direction, but they happen to be on the right road insofar as they understand that families are important as institutions. Parents aren't just kind of, parents aren't just kind of uh, um, arbitrary. They're actually like, they're important and kids need to be raised a lot of liberals are chia parents. They just think you add water and, and you spread the stuff on and it should just grow. And if it doesn't grow right, it's a defective product. <laughs> like that's, that's a lot of liberal parenting is chia parenting. If you've never heard that, it's because I invented it. And if you hear it before, you know it started right here on this podcast. And if you want to make it famous, go ahead and share this podcast with all of your friends. Either podcast or YouTube, no matter how, you can clip it out. Support people clipping me and using it. Go ahead. So a lot of liberals are chia parents. They just think that like you add water and then like it's just everything kind of happens. And then they're surprised when their kids are on drugs or wastrels in many different ways. Or their daughters end up prostitutes. But it's all of, of a function of chia parenting. The only thing that liberals might get better than conservatives in general about parenting is they won't kick you out of your house for being gay. That's pretty much the only thing. Also... It's some policies might float more money, like for example, the child tax credit might float more money to some gen policies might float more money to families, but it's at the expense of actually degrading the authority of the family as an institution of freedom, as an autonomous institution of freedom. That means it should not be encroached upon and should negate other institutions of freedom. It needs to be moderated in order to actually get along with, you know, market-based civil society 
and you know political freedom but it is actually an autonomous institution that should be respected as an institution of freedom which means families should have authority about how their families are organized families should have authority and that is a very important part of uh of what it is to be an institution of freedom and insofar as the u.s constitutions the u.s constitution vouchsafes the um the pursuit of freedom in all of its or liberty, the, the blessings of liberty in all of its forms, family freedom is a very important one. So people should be able to organize their families and not have to play defense um, with respect to their family against like all of these other like, more parasitic institutions, right? I, I did a show before about how families are institutions of freedom that are actually very good and are supposed to uh, protect you from other institutions of freedom, including markets, right? So you need a family to protect you from the market. You need markets in order to be free because there's a particular kind of freedom that can only come through the market. But you need families in order to be free because there's a particular kind of freedom that can only come from a family. And often that freedom is protection from the market. Um, and, and so uh, if you just turn everything into a market and, and parents start seeing their spouses and children as commodities to be invested or disinvested from for, based on a rate of return and if, <laughs> and if you, you know, you can uh, trade out a better spouse for a different spouse, like all of these other kind of market sensibilities brought into the family is a complete distortion of the family. So if you come to the United States and you've already been inoculated against that nonsense, you're already light years ahead of people who haven't been inoculated against that nonsense in the United States. Already light years ahead. So the... The Republicans actually get family as a seat of an authority, as, as a political authority, not a political, a non-political institution of freedom, a non-political institution of freedom. Um, and that you need families as a non-political institution of freedom to actually get the independence of political freedom, right? There's, it's, it's not an accident that so many of our politicians actually grew up in intact families. <laughs> um, and you could say there are uh, anomalies when you think about Barack Obama but Barack Obama was raised by rich grandparents and uh, he had a lot of benefits like that came to him through his family that came to him through his family not in the obvious way but they came to him through his family so what um Vivek Ramaswamy actually got right was he says one of his biggest privileges was coming from a stable family that values education and could realize that value of education in his upbringing. So a lot of black families are not going to be as stable and they can't even realize, they might value education, but they can't realize that value of education um, in the upbringing because they might not have the resources to do it or the cultural background because black people have been targeted Black families have been targeted. So even if you, I mean, there are a lot of black parents who didn't want to end up divorced, but so like, but then ended up divorced, <laughs> like, like, and trying to raise kids. There are a lot of there are a lot of black, or there are a lot of black parents who. This is something I see on both ways. This is something I see especially a lot of black parents who value education and then screw up, screw it up by sending their kids to a hostile environment because they value education 
but it's a completely hostile anti-black environment. So you end up screwing up your kids in different ways. There's data coming out that if you have like a mediocre black school and a very high performing white school, just send your kids to the mediocre black school if you're going to be a good parent. Uh, because sending them to the high performing white school, insofar as it's a white school, that could do all sorts of other damage to them. So, um, so I'm just saying, you, you need to, even if you, so the reason black families are a mess has everything to do with the targeted subordination of black families. You can, you can have parents who want the best for your education, but then like need you to go get a job because they need money. Right. So they so they want the best for your education, but they need you to go work. Right. And there are no small number of black grandparents who parents wanted them to, to, to do well in school, but then also needed them to quit school and go uh, into the field. Right. So this idea that the greatest privilege is having an intact family that can protect you and actually up, bring you up, like, like grow your consciousness and your will in order to participate in America and all the other institutions of freedom that America allows is actually a, a very good understanding of family. But what we have to understand in the black experience is the reason there aren't more black families, black intact, stable families that can provide the quality of protection. The reason why Michael Orr's family can provide uh, provide him the quality of protection. Reason even why um, LeBron James's family couldn't provide him the quality of protection and yet outsource it to other people is, uh, has everything to do with the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, Jim Crow terrorism. Had we done in Reconstruction right, taking it seriously, this would be a different conversation, but we didn't. So it's the legacy of the degraded families that you don't get if you are Vivek Ramaswamy who's got you know, a handful of generations of intact families behind him, all like teaching him how to treat poor people like trash, and then just implanting that into the American context. Or same with the people who were uh, who fled uh, Bautista's Cuba when Castro took over. Or the same people like you know a lot of the problem with German <laughs> Jews in Germany came from them doing too well too well, having too robust of a culture and doing better than too many of the resentful Germans. So when those people come to the United States, um, it turns out that they have a, 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 um, a, a culture of doing well. And we're talking about the savviest ones who didn't, you know, end up unlucky and, and, and end up in a death camp. So, and it's the same with the same with the Shah in Iran, right? So by the time you actually got out of Iran, and by the time you were threatened by the Ayatollah coming into power, and figured out a way to get out, you probably had pretty savvy stock in terms of, and if you came out with like an intact family, you got your whole family out, you probably came from pretty savvy stock, like culturally. Like you were relevant enough in your town to get, to get targeted. <laughs> um, you were relevant enough in your town to get targeted, which means you had a culture um, that was thriving under the Shah. So, and that's better than, a cult, than not having a culture or having a culture of subordination. Um, so the GOP is better about talking about the family, but they talk about the family as a blind person who's on the right road, 
but they talk about the authority of families as institutions of self-determination uh, that are supposed to protect you from the more predatory aspects of any sort of market society. And the Dems don't talk about institutions, uh, families as institutions of self-determination that should have authority over the household and protect other family members from the more predatory aspects of, of, of society. So what happens is those predatory aspects of society go and screw up your kids. The, the ones who are like telling your kids to jewel and getting them addicted to phones. I don't, I don't let my kids like, do that stuff. And if I weren't as strong as I was or serious as I was, or if I just believe that the market will provide or whatever, and it'll be fine, then I would let my kids do that stuff. And my kids would be less awesome kids. All right. So family's supposed to protect you from these things. And the GOP actually understands that family's supposed to protect you from something. Whereas um, the Dems don't actually respect the family as a, an autonomous institution. That's supposed to protect kids and bring them up and raise their consciousness and will in a way that makes them able to participate in more adult varieties of freedom without being predated upon as they grow older. Liberals are Tia parents and they have Tia families. They just think that you just put water on them and if they don't grow right, it's a defect in the product. Their kid has autism or anything. No, you're just a bad parent. You're just, you know, liberal parenting was not like, is not appropriate. My kids have a lot of rules and man, they don't even see them as rules because. Um, if I did my job right, they were instituted so early that they just see them as waves of life. Way of life. We don't have a TV. Like, this is just a way of life. Right? So, thank you for your time. If you appreciate what I'm saying, and I think you should, go over to www.funkyacademic.com. Kick in $5, $15, or $50. I don't do a paywall just because I think that everyone should... Um, listen to what I'm saying and it'll just improve the culture. So that's that. Thank you for your time. I will uh, see you on Monday. <laughs>